Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. Blank book is like this, just a place to sketch on your Apple Pencil. And this is actually a place where I use uh, for school. So let's say I have a science test. I can't have my notes open, obviously. So what I'll do is if I have to handwrite some questions, I'll throw it into blank book. You can zoom in with Pencil Kit so it's not as bad as Pencil Kit is on Apple Notes. Welcome to part two of my discussion with Jonathan. In this part, we discuss further how he uses the iPad as a high school student and dive into his YouTube channel and how he creates the videos on the iPad. He shares some really great tips on how to manage this on a 64 gigabyte iPad, which if you have one of these, you know, can be pretty challenging for video work. A quick note, last week, some backend change happened at Acast, the hosting provider for this podcast. They've done some stream optimization re-encoding of the podcast for some time now, but this recent re-encoding change is now stripping out the MP3 chapter markers. This change is affecting not only new episodes, but all past episodes. Currently, the only way to get chapter markers is through the Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get the episodes early and keep getting chapter markers. In the meantime, I am including for new episodes the timestamps of the chapter markers in the episode description. If you use Overcast, these are tappable unless you jump around just like before in just a slightly worse kind of interface. I hope that Acast is able to restore this functionality as I'm a huge fan of chapter markers and including links when appropriate. So for now, use Overcast or for full functionality, head on over to patreon.com slash iPadPros for as little as a dollar a month, any tier will get you the episodes early and that original file with those MP3 chapter markers. Acast is aware of this issue and they have a support ticket open to try to resolve it. So hopefully that gets taken care of soon. With that, here's the conclusion of my discussion with Jonathan about what it's like using the iPad as a high school student and video creator. Enjoy. Focused work is an app I hadn't really heard of before you mentioned it. And, uh, are you familiar with Timery or Toggle? Is it kind of similar to that or is it more custom for school type work? It's custom for productivity. So what it will do, I've talked to the guy before. He's an amazing guy. His name is Michael Tigas, and um, he's an independent developer. So if you want to support indie developers, I recommend taking a look at this. Basically what it, how it works is you have these sessions that you can create and you can say, okay, I have this amount of time for work and then this amount of time for break or this amount of time for planning and you can set up to, I think, an hour for each stage, and then you can move on to the next one. It will ask you at the end of your session how well you did, and then you can just give yourself feedback and stuff. They have right now an iPhone app, an iPad app, and then an M1 Mac app, and the guy is now starting to work on the Catalyst app for the Mac. So if you do use a Mac for some reason, I know this is an iPad Pros podcast, yeah. but if you do use a Mac, uh, that should come at some point for the Mac. Cool. It actually does integrate with Toggle. And so how it works, it's a premium feature, I believe. So his premium feature, it's features, it's iCloud, it's shortcuts when he creates them. Uh, iCloud Sync, Toggle uh, in, in syncing, as well as um, I, your app icons and that kind of thing. And unlimited sessions. So there's a cap on how many you make, but I don't think that really matters because you're just going to repeat that session over and over sure. again. Yeah. I think people find their groove. 
with what they like. Okay. But it syncs with your toggle. So you can input that data into toggle and then toggle will do it. I don't use toggle. I've never had the opportunity to try toggle, but it's nice. I would recommend getting the guy on the podcast. I think he can talk a lot more about it in yeah. the future if you ever wanted to. Cool. But yeah, it's a very neat app and it's brand new. Like it came out in September. So it's very, very new. So I didn't time track when I was in school at all. Have you found, I'm very curious, have you found like certain classes take like exponentially more time than other classes that that are just kind of, kind of shocking in ways? Yeah. So I naturally take more time to do work. That's just something that happens with me. So I haven't tried tracking my time, but I can estimate for math, for example, I think at most I'm using it for like an hour and a half for like a two-page worksheet. I take a long time because I like to make sure I'm doing my work right. right. I get I procrastinate a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I do procrastinate. But I find that focused work is super helpful because one of the features of focused work is it acts like you know, those kitchen alarms where it'll go like tick, 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 tick. Yeah. So it has that built in. So when you, while your timer is going off, it's going to go click, click, click over time, over and over time. And so when I have that going, it keeps my mind focused. It's like, oh, the timer's going to run out at some point. I need to make sure I get as much work as I can as possible. So focus work is not so much for tracking the time you're spending in classes, but helping you stay focused for an X amount of time. And do you try to like say, I'm going to do 20 minutes in English, you know, 40 minutes in math and kind of help you propel yourself through your homework that way? So the way it works is you're only focusing on one task for that session. So Let's say um, I'm video editing for the iOS at work YouTube channel. I'm going to say 20 minutes, five minute break, 20 minutes, five minute break, and then another 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And that session can only be for one thing unless you specifically say in the name of that session or like what that session is going to be focusing on, you say both. And um, it does track over time. It will graph over time how your productivity is and it will show you over the week, over six months, it, there's a lot of data that it can show you how productive you're being over time. So if you like seeing that, you can take a look at that, which is nice. Gotcha. And then like, how do you organize your different apps? So like Apple Notes, do you have a folder for different subjects? And same thing with the Notability, they're just different folders for all your classes, or do you divide it further from that? I'm, with more text-based, I want to talk about that later because that's a big struggle for me, figuring out what I want to do with text-based note-taking. But I can say that my folder structure is very simple. So I will divide everything by class. And then dependent on how much note-taking I have to do, if there's a lot, then I'm dividing it by unit. And then the unit will have all of my notes from that unit. And then if I have, if it's not a lot, like let's say my learning strats class, it's not a lot of PDFs that I have to handle or a lot of note-taking. I'm going to put all of that in just in one folder titled learning strategies. And with everything searchable, are you using search to discover information as you prepare for tests and things in ways you couldn't with paper? I really just, when I'm studying, what I will do is I'm going to go through everything at the beginning. And then when I see something that I don't really understand, I highlight it and then mm-hmm. I go back to it later in the future. Gotcha. So Google Workspace, I tried searching for this app. What is this? Are you just talking about like the Google Docs app? Are they all separate apps or is there a new portal that combines all this stuff in the one place? Google Workspace, which was used to be called G Suite. So if you didn't know it changed, it changed along with those terrible new icons. You. Yeah. Um, but basically, the dry, I actually deleted the Drive app and the Docs app because it was just taking up too much space on a 64 gigabyte iPad. Yeah. 
which I think was actually way too little for me to buy. I should have went with the Yeah, with the um, video stuff. We'll have to talk about it later, but uh, yeah, I'm curious how that all plays with storage and having to deal with that. Yeah, but in terms of G Suite, the way it works on iPad is you have the Drive app and then the Docs, Slides. All of those apps are separate apps completely. But if you in Drive say, I want to add a Doc, it will, it will take that link, that backlink, and then go into dr- Docs. One thing I really do hate though about the G Suite is if I open a web app, like a web version, if I'm opening up the web version of Docs, and I click on a document and I open it just from like how I would on a Mac, for example, or on a Chromebook, it's going to open it in doc, but I specifically want it to open in the web. So what you have to do is you have to copy the link and then post it in, and you have to paste it into a new tab and then wait for it to load and then get in. Same with YouTube. And it's just really annoying. Yeah, I've deleted some apps because of this and like I don't want to use their app. Let me just stay in the website. Yeah. I'm gonna say that the Google apps are super watered down, like unbelievably watered down. Uh there was an assignment that I had to do for a careers course and my dad was trying to help me format it. It was a like I had to make like a fake resume. And my dad was trying to uh I think do some marginal stuff and he's like, Where is the marginal stuff here? And I'm I'm in the Google Docs app. I'm like, I don't know. And then we we searched, I kid you not, 20 minutes. We couldn't find it. Like, there are some very basic functionality of Docs that just does not exist. So are you forced to use, like, Google Sheets or Docs, or are you able to do most of your work in the iWork and just export to where you need it to go? Yeah, so generally I do, if it's personal work, I'm exporting everything. But if I have to do, uh, like, my one of my courses, I'm doing a collaborative note with two of my friends, yep. and we're using Docs. And I've got them to switch from docs to other things for note-taking, but we all have to use docs for that because it's cross-platform. Also, interesting to note, and I think you're, I think the audience will be interested by this, I think docs is a more popular app for taking notes than writing essays. People will use it as a note-taking app. And in my mind, and this is why I started the channel in the first place in like April, I'm like, when I thought about this in April, I'm like, why are you using such a stupid app? It's not even meant for it, and you're using it that way. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, this needs to stop. People need to get away from this because it's not what it's intended for. Right. I don't care if you use Google Docs, but use it for its proper purpose. Right. There are apps designed to note take and there are apps designed to write essays. Use them separately. And I've I've seen my friends docs pages. Right. Like there are if you look through their grid, it's the messiest thing ever because you have essays and like posters and notes and everything and it's a bundle of mess so i just use iwork because i know hey this is my writing app this is my presentation and this is my work with my spreadsheets which i don't really use and i don't think a lot of people really use in school right now it's not very common for the courses that i'm in yeah but for business i expect to that to be a lot more common okay do you use uh, shortcuts in school or anything else outside of school shortcuts is something i wish i implemented more I get very intimidated in creating them, not as much using the platform. I yeah. love Matthew Castanelli has done, Chris Lawley, Daily Tech, all those places that have created shortcuts that you can access. Those are really good shortcuts. Max Stories, I use, I kid you not, how many times a day I am using the MusicBot shortcut for my Apple Music Life. Like it's a really good shortcut, but I just don't know how to code or like make shortcuts well enough 
that I would use it. I can say that pre-pandemic, I was using an automation that would allow me to uh, semi, uh, just to turn on low power mode and do not disturb and all those things that I would really need while I'm in school. So I'm not disturbed by anybody. I did automations like that very basic stuff. But besides that, I'm not really using shortcuts as much as I want. I do use shortcuts more for creative stuff, which I can talk about later. Cool. And then what are some of your most common like split screen setups? Split screen setups, as I said, shift screen and zoom. That's one. Notability in zoom would also be one. Um, I'm going to say that any researching app that I'm using for research as well as Safari or Pages, that's also very common for reference or for drag and drop. But I'm going to say that I don't use split view as much as I use slide over. Okay. So what I use slide over for is messages, Avery, Marvis, uh, Files app, anything that really I just need to drag and drop and then put it away. Like I'm more using that as opposed to split screen, but I do use split screen enough for very certain applications. Okay. Gotcha. And then is Siri a part of your workflow as well? Yes. So reminders all the time. I'm saying, hey, Siri, let me do a reminder. This is where I use Siri shortcuts, actually. So I don't use shortcuts more uh, for manual stuff. But if there's like an app that has a shortcut, I'm more likely to use Siri to enable those specific shortcuts. Like, for example, uh, the Calendars 5 has a shortcut that will let me see my agenda for the day. Mm. Right? I'll say, hey, mm, uh, let me view my agenda and it will show me my stuff for the day. Uh, the weather, we'll do it that way. Music, that way. Uh, pro tip, if you have AirPlay 2 compatible speakers, you can call Siri to play speak blank song on blank speaker room if you set up through HomeKit, and it will yeah. automatically play it on that. Uh, pro tip. Uh, I discovered that recently, and it blew my mind. I'm using Siri more for voice commands and for running shortcuts that make more sense via Siri. That's where I'm using shortcuts more. Reminders is your app a choice and yeah. why is that? Cause I know it, it did get a lot better a couple of years ago, but there's a lot of other options. Out and there. that's exactly why I use it. Okay. So I used in grade nine, my homework. I don't know if you've heard of my homework, but it's a cross platform service for uh, tracking homework. And there's some very homework specific feature sets. But when I was using it on iPad, I really noticed how bad it supported it. Like there's split screen in slide over support. I'm going to call it not usable at all yeah it will not adapt your display so that it fits all of that content in there and then by that point you're like having to reopen it and close it and it's it was a big mess and in june i read i took a look at reminders again and i hadn't really opened it in the past but when i opened it i was kind of blown away by how well it worked and the feature set that it had so i've i kind of fully switched to reminders also it has support for extra uh, services like Spark. So I use Spark as my email client. I don't know if I said that, um, but it has support for reminders. And it's really nice how there's like an API so you can hook in different apps that uh, do work with reminders, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Also, I want to talk about screenshotting for a second. Screenshotting online is a very useful tool. And I really should start using the pencil more for my screenshots, like that gesture where you can go from the corner. Yeah, but I forget it's there all the time. I forget it's there too. But like, I find that that should be much more used than it is. And I, I think it's a very neat thing to take a screenshot. Fun fact, I knew this. Um, I, I think everybody knows about the Command Shift 3 shortcut to take a screenshot. Yeah. But there's also the Command Shift 4. And what that does is it will actually open up the screenshot editor. And so if you open up the screenshot editor that way, I love doing this in Safari, for example. I will just take a screenshot. 
and it will open up the markup menu and then I can just switch it into a PDF file and then edit it that way. Yeah, and Safari does that cool thing where it just you're able to scroll the entire th- page, is that right? Yeah, so when you hit the full page, it will take the whole PDF. It will take the whole website as a PDF file. Yeah. It happens in notes as well, but there's other ways to make PDFs in notes. Okay. Um, but like that's kind of the whole idea with that. Gotcha. Anything else before we move on the video stuff? No, I think we can move on. Cool. Your channel, what what's it all about? What kind of videos are you creating? Yeah, so um, the channel is called iOS at Work. And the whole concept of iOS at Work is it's a tech YouTube channel specifically about Apple products, but not for the techies. It's really meant for the people who are using their Apple devices casually. They bought it because that's what they bought. They, didn't, they don't really do their research. They're just using it as is. And so what I'm doing is helping them discover things that they wouldn't look for on their own. So we talk apps, we talk shortcuts, desk setup stuff, et cetera, et cetera. And it's relatively new. We started back in, I started it back in March. Gotcha. And what's your process of creating videos on iPad? So the way I make videos, I would like to be more independent in my video making. I require uh, one of my parents' phones because they have a much better iPhone camera than I do. Yeah. And so I use their camera to film. It's a 10S as opposed to my 7. And then I take all that footage and I send all of that into AirDrop or I'm going to put it, if I need it, absolutely need it, it's going to go through a USB-C drive into my iPad. Okay. I import all the files into the iCloud. Sometimes maybe I'm editing off of it, but very rarely. And then that all goes into LumaFusion. I do all my edits in LumaFusion. And then from LumaFusion, it's done. I export it as a photo in the QuickTime movie format. While that's exporting, I will make a thumbnail. And so with thumbnails, again, using the camera from my parents, taking the image, and then I, I throw it into Pixelmator Photo. And then Pixelmator Photo is where I'm doing the image edit. And then it goes into Pixelmator, the OG one that doesn't get as much support now. And that's where I'm doing the thumbnail stuff. So changing backgrounds, adding text, et cetera, et cetera, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Have you tried using the iPad Air's camera? I'm not sure how good that thing is. I would, but I use a tripod for stabilization. Gotcha. Yep. And a no iPad. I, I maybe if I use the the uh, the hover bar, I would maybe use the yeah. iPad Air. But I would use it. It's a much better camera than my iPhone. And if I didn't have a parent phone on me, I would use it as a backup camera. Okay. But very rarely would I really need to use it for that. I'm more using that iPad camera for scanning documents, and then I'm using the selfie camera to do video calls and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. When the LumaFusion update for. Um multi-camera support comes out it might be fun to play around with having two cameras running simultaneously to cut between oh yeah i actually didn't like with like if i'm doing multi-cam support what i think i would do more or less is just have the two separate audio clips and then have them labeled one two for whichever camera is the primary and the secondary and then i would import it that way I yeah. wouldn't necessarily have it like as multi-file together, but you can have like multiple tracks, so it wouldn't make sense in my mind. Yeah, I know LumaFusion's working on this thing where it'll allow you to have like two cameras, it'll sync using the audio, and as you're watching the video, it'll give you both feeds and you can just tap between which one you want to edit to. So as you're watching oh, it, that's you can so good. just the way Final Cut does it. Um it's coming did they, out. Did they see that that's happening? Yeah, they said it on a podcast like late last year. So they are working on it. So that'll be that huge. That would be so helpful. That's the one big missing feature I 
to have from Final Cut Pro 10 that's still not here. So that'll be great. As well as optical image stabilization. I find B-roll to be so hard without it. Mm, yeah. What I do want to say, though, about B-roll, this is where shortcuts comes in so much handy. I don't know if you've ever seen, like, on Routine Hub, like, all of those shortcuts. It's like YouTube download or Instagram download or stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, they sort of sometimes work. Music videos seem to be less uh, working. I've read, I'm guessing YouTube has more protections on those videos. So I have found ones that work exceptionally well. So I use the YouTube one specifically if I'm downloading, like, a green screen thing or free B-roll. If you are a YouTuber who does a lot of B-roll, there's a YouTube channel. I think it's called Taylosif Free B-roll. And what they will do is they just post B-roll from their videos that you can use for free without any copyright issues. So I just use that in my latest video about uh, basics of iPhone for people who are getting a new phone and they just need to learn how to use it. So I use free B-roll for that. But like that's where, I, that's where I'm using a lot of shortcuts for in my creative work is just downloading footage and then uploading and then I can use that downloaded footage and then put that on my videos. Gotcha. And your editing process, you're using keyboard shortcuts and your mouse or touching the screen. What kind of uh, setups do you like to use for that? Yeah. So as I said earlier, I'm using touch, but I'm also using keyboard and trackpad and it's really dependent on how I feel during the time of my editing. If I'm in my desk, 100% iPad, keyboard, mouse done and you're hooked up to the external monitor as well for that right yes and i'm using that uh that feature where you can like have a full screen preview so the entire preview will be externally and that gives you more room on your ipad for the timeline and the library but this is where i feel like external monitor support would actually come in more handy if they had revamped it because i would rather have my video on the iPad and my timeline on my display. Oh, interesting. Because I have more room for my timeline. I have a 27-inch space for my timeline and all my controls. Gotcha, yeah. And I wouldn't be able to do that right now because you can't really manipulate that second screen. But if you can manipulate that second screen to do whatever you want, I could have that uh, thing up top and then have my video preview on on the bottom. Yeah, it'd be interesting as a setting if they could have that as an option in the future. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And then 64 gigs, do you have an external hard drive that you plug in over USB-C to back up files? Or how do you deal with file management? Yeah, I, I'm going to tell you. So when I bought this Air, I almost didn't buy it. It was such a hard decision between the Pro and the Air only for storage. Yeah. Because when I'm looking at, so if you look at the pricing options, right, they marketed this Air so well. So you have 64 gigs at the, I'm talking Canadian here. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, American viewers. Yep. So it's $800 Canadian to go with the air. That's the cost. And then it's about almost $1,000 to go to the 256 gig. And by the time you're at 256 gig, you're like $50 away from the iPad Pro at 128 gigabytes right. of storage. That's right. I'm, yeah. If I'm upgrading that storage option, I might as well get the promotion and the cameras and everything else, yeah. not just the storage. Mm-hmm. And so I was so, I couldn't decide for weeks. Do I go with the iPad Pro for the 128 or do I save some money and go with the Air? And the reason why I ultimately went with the Air is because this keyboard is $209. The price between that iPad and the iPad Pro. And so I'm like, hey, I'm a student. I should probably save some money and save that, take those savings and put it on my keyboard. Totally. Yeah. And so I went with the air. But as soon as I started making YouTube content, I'm like, oh, no, because I there will be instances where and I was using 32 gigabytes before. Like I was coming from something worse. Yeah. But when you would have 30, 64 gigs, sometimes and I fixed it by doing something weird. I don't know how I fixed it. 
I had at one point 17 gigabytes of LumaFusion on my device, 17 gigs. That's like almost a third of my storage. Yeah. And when you think about how Apple has poorly managed their other category, mm -hmm. that needs an iOS 15 update. Please let me know what's considered other. Yeah. Because I will it will fix my problems. I have 20 gigabytes right now of what I don't know is considered other storage taken up more than any other app, more than anything else on the iPad. It's just other. I'm like, what is other? And like, even like deleting my Siri history or my browser history and my messages, like that doesn't do anything at all. It's like extra cash or something. And I just don't know how to, and there's no way to delete it. But to answer your question about what am I doing with drives? So I don't own a USB-C drive and I may need to buy one at some point. But what I'm doing right now is all of that footage goes into iCloud and then I download it as, it's a bit annoying and tedious, but right now it's getting the job done. I have two, ter my family has two terabytes, so I can afford to do that. And then airdropping stuff, as opposed to just transferring it via hard drive, um, I'm filming at 1080-30. So because I'm filming at 1080-30, I am basically saying, hey, this doesn't take up that, it's actually not that hard for, for airdrop to transfer that, as opposed to a 4K60 file, right. which I know there are YouTubers who do. Like, I actually attempted to do that, and I couldn't do it. It, it legitimately failed to export like three 4K at 60. Oh, they're huge. Yeah, they're huge uh, files. It's like 20 gigs. I'm like, are you serious right now? So I had to export over a drive. And my dad and I were saying like, okay, I'm never filming in 4K 60 again. I did 1080-30. And so now I do 1080-30 because who's watching it at 4K? Yeah. Like the average viewer doesn't even know you can change the resolution on right. YouTube videos. So I do, and it's, it's, it's quite fast doing 1080-30. Um, in airdrop so i yeah, just do airdrop. And 1080 looks that's it's, it's good i mean and it goes into the photos app so it's going towards my icloud and if it's in photos that all of those photos get downloaded locally into LumaFusion anyway okay so it's kind of as its own separate thing which is actually how i saved my storage capacity i figured it out i'm like that i don't know how i found it i don't know how i found it but i did so that's pretty much how my storage solution works on Fusion. Gotcha. And you use a Blue Yeti mic to do all the voiceover work for the videos. Yep. Yeah. So that's all being done on a Mac because, again, I find it so tedious. The audio management on iPad is horrible. And certain apps will work with mics and certain ones won't. And Fairlight, I can't necessarily figure out how to change the mic output input. So like when I was trying for this podcast, I'm like, I'm not even going to try this anymore. I'm just going to plug it into my Mac and then before I realized it was about to die, and then record it all on the Mac. Yeah, with Ferrite, it'll just default to whatever you plug into it, is how I've experienced it, at least. And it'll tell you what mic it's using as well. And when I did it for Ferrite, it said iPad microphone. And okay. I plugged in the monitor for Ferrite, so it didn't yeah. work with something. Huh. Maybe, yeah, power draw or something with the Blue Yeti. I know that thing is... Uh... Power heavy. Yeah. So I use the Yeti, and then technically I would be using a Blue Snowflake. It's like their mini one. Yep. My sister uses it for college because gotcha. she has uh, Logic. And so she's recording all of her music off of Logic. And so she's using that microphone for that. Gotcha. Cool. And that probably might have less power draw, so it might work more. Just Press Record has it, but it's so dumb because they make you remove all Bluetooth audio devices. You have to forget it. Mm, yeah, that's weird. And I'm like, why do I need to forget it? And it, it, it made it. I had to delete Just Press Record because I was about to use it. And then I had to delete all my things. I'm like, I'm not deleting my AirPods from my iCloud. That just doesn't make any logical sense. So that's my experience with mics. Apple, give me audio manipulation for iPad OS 15. 
if you give me that, I will be set on updating. I will, I will try the beta if you <laughs> give me that because I just want to try it at the yeah. least and know that it works. And then I guess the last thing before we wrap it up, I just I'm curious about music. Talking about audio, so Marvin yeah. Pro you mentioned earlier. It's like a Marvis. music Marvis Pro. Um, yeah. It's like a mu- music app replacement. Is that what this uh, is all yeah. about? And like, why do you like it over the built-in app? Yeah. So when Apple Music made that API, I can't remember how many years ago it was. There is such a there was a humongous boom in the amount of app support that exists. So I don't know if you've heard of Soar. That's a very have, popular yeah. third party. Next is another one for iPhone that works pretty well. It's all about like playlists and stuff, kind of Spotify. Uh, Shazam has that connection. Music Smash has that. Um, but what Marvis has done is, first of all, it's an iPad OS app, which is very uncommon in the Apple Music space mm-hmm. for those third party. They all do iPhone, which I find just no. Please give me iPad app. Yeah. But what I, what if you are using Marvis? What's important to note is that Marvis is like the power users Apple Music. So its homepage is very different and completely customizable. So my home screen on the iPad is recently played my For You, my recently added Apple's curators, and then my most played. And on my phone, it's different. I can set it to be different things. And then it's completely uh, navigatable through swipe gestures. You can have like a mini cover flow in a way. Mm-hmm. There's, if you, if you, I would recommend trying it out for yourself. I can't really describe the feature set okay. because like, there are app store reviews that say there is so much detail in this app. I can't figure out all of its functionality. Like there's that much in there. Yeah, I'll think of it a shot because I do miss, like I prefer the old school iPad music app before um, the iOS 7 transition that like, uh, and I'm curious about this app. Yeah, this is a really powerful one. Also, I'm going to say that the Apple Music app has gotten so much better in iOS 14, not just for like the support for sidebar, but their algorithm for changing um, for like your music lists and stuff with their whole new listen now page, much better than what their terrible for you page was. That was a horror show. Yeah. But like, that's how it is. And if you're thinking, if I, if you're asking if I ever use iTunes, I don't touch iTunes at all. Uh, I don't really have a need for it. Every, the world has moved to streaming and not really owning your music. So you're digitally. all in on Apple Music, no purchasing yeah. of music at all or yeah. importing CDs through iTunes Match or anything like that? Yeah, my mom wanted to do that. And then when iTunes, my mom finds Apple Music very complicated and iTunes Match was never really good anyway. I love iTunes Match because I am into limited edition soundtracks that have like 2,000 pressings and that's the only way you get it. So it's uh, stuff that's not available on streaming. So that's where I really rely on my Mac to get that stuff into my library. Yeah. I want to mention some other apps that just exist that I use uh, for people to check out. So the first one is Avery. So Avery is a relatively new Twitter client. It is the best Twitter client I've ever found. It's available on all platforms and it really takes advantage of the iPad screen. So it uses a a quad, it has a triple column setup. So you'll have a feed, your feed on the left, and then you can have a, and then you have a second column, which is completely customizable. You can choose what that is. And then, so it can be your mentions, messages, um, trending topics, et cetera, et cetera. And then that third column is going to be details about that tweet. It also has built-in YouTube link support. So if you expand on the details of a tweet, it'll find the YouTube link 
and it will play you within the web player, the YouTube video, and then you can picture and picture the YouTube video. Oh, very cool. So that's how you do YouTube picture and picture people. I've solved your problem. <laughs> Just hope they post to Twitter. Next, I want to talk about tasks. This is what I use to plan my YouTube videos. It's an indie developer. And what's really nice about it is it gives you your tasks, but as stages, as opposed to one and done. So I can have, so if I, if you look at mine, it's like the planning stage, it's the, it's the idea stage, planning, filming, filming, editing, because I like to film and edit around the same time. I'm very odd. I'm terrible with like just finishing it and then going to editing. Then I have an editing phase. And then when it's done, it goes into an uploaded column at the end. And it works like reminders. It syncs with, you can import your reminders into it. So if you switch to it, it's a very easy switch. Yeah, it's a very nice one. If you like, if you need like a short-term storage solution, any buffer is nice for that. Uh, game track for any gamers out there, it'll track your game. You can like import your games in there and then like, say, okay, I'm going to play this one and then have this next. And I can like organize my games and you can archive them and you can follow your friends so you know what they're playing. It's very nice for gamers out there. And then lastly, Blank Book. Blank Book is like this, just a place to sketch on your Apple Pencil. And this is actually a place where I use uh, for school. So let's say I have a science test. I can't have my notes open, obviously. So what I'll do is if I have to handwrite some questions, I'll throw it into Blank Book. You can zoom in with Pencil Kit so it's not as bad as Pencil Kit is on Apple Notes. And then I can just edit all my PDFs that way. So those are just some really nice apps uh, if you want to check that out. Very cool. Well, uh, where can people find your YouTube channel? Yeah, so if you want to find me on YouTube, I'm at iOS at work. Uh, I recommend filtering by the channel to find me. Um, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at iOS underscore at underscore work. And on Instagram, I'm just at iOS at work, all one word. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan, for your time today. It's been great learning about how you get your work done on the iPad. Glad to help. Apple, take more focus to the high school round. It's a great place to help. Well, that was my discussion with Jonathan. My thanks to him for his time recording this episode, and my thanks to you for tuning in. As a reminder, you can support this podcast at patreon.com slash iPadPros, and by leaving a review over in Apple Podcasts. With that, I'll talk to everyone again real soon.